Welcome to The Outpouring with Executive Pastor Bob Oliver of the New Covenant Church of Philadelphia. So we are here today to do um, the message. This is going to be part two. Kingdom life and peace. How to overcome or win the war uh, in the flesh. And so we are uh, going to engage in kingdom of life and peace and how to overcome and how to win the war uh, over the flesh. And so before uh, I get started today, I want to tell you a, uh, a funny story. I found out uh, that I was being tracked. I found out that I was being tracked uh, by my daughter. And so uh, my wife, as she does so often, she uh, gathers the family together on you know, typically on the weekends, and she says, hey, we all want to go out uh, to eat as a family. We have to uh, see if dad is close. Let's see if he's in the area so that we can uh, meet up. And my wife had called me uh, a number of times, and she didn't get me. She couldn't, she couldn't get me. And Grace said, uh, wait a minute, wait a minute. She opens her phone. My wife looks down at the car. She has a map. That's right. She has a map on her phone in terms of where I am. She said, she said, Mom, I know where Dad is. He's at Willow Grove Mall. She said, how do you know that? I, she said, I track his movements. Uh, that's right. My daughter was uh, tracking my movements, and I laughed, and I laughed. I said, my goodness. My daughter is tracking uh, my movements. And so I think the, the, the lesson of it is every daughter, every daughter wants to know the motion of their father. If you, I'm telling you, if you get this, every daughter wants to know the motion and wants to, to feel the energy of their father. And they want, it's, it's almost like it's the, the mystery uh, of men. And I'm the first man that she will learn uh, how to love. And it's certainly a significant thing. And so I laughed to find out for the first time that I was absolutely uh, tracked. And I thought that was just uh, the funniest thing in the world. And all the people on Facebook are laughing because Janine uh, posted a story. And she said, you got to track that brother. Okay. So, all right, we're going to get into the scripture. Let me just say, say a prayer. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. We thank you for the flow of your spirit. We welcome the Holy Ghost, and we pray for a spirit of wisdom. We pray for a spirit of revelation and the knowledge of you that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, and we today would experience the hope, the grace, the peace of your calling. Speak to every heart, speak to every person that's in a terrible situation. We pray that every wall would come down in the name of Jesus. We break through today, we break through barriers, we break through every boundary that would contain us, that would bring limitations to the life of God that he has designed for each one of us in the name of Jesus. And we thank you in advance 
for an awesome and great release and a great breaking of your word in the name of Jesus. And somebody say amen, amen, and amen. We're going to start out, if you look at, uh, we're going to go through a number of scriptures today, but if you look at uh, Romans chapter 8, we're going to start at verse 1, Romans chapter 8, uh, verse 1, and we are going to uh, take a very healthy uh, exploration uh, in the Bible. And so Romans chapter uh, 1, verse 8, and it reads as following. It says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. In other words, he's, he's establishing early on, the Apostle Paul is establishing very early on that there is no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. But you got to be very clear here. He did condemn the flesh. He condemned the flesh, but he did not condemn those who, watch me, who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And so God is saying that I want you, Chelsea, to walk according to the Spirit. And so you have to understand that if I am going to live a productive, a successful, a victorious Christian life, I need to learn how do I walk according to the Spirit of God. And I would even challenge pastors, challenge teachers, that we got to teach people how to walk according to the Spirit. Otherwise, you'll revert to simply condemning them for a life in the flesh. So you can't condemn somebody for living a life in the flesh when you never taught them, Jesus. You can't condemn somebody for living a life in the flesh if you never taught them how to walk. In other words, how to work it out, how to walk out the life of the Spirit of God in the, in, in the Spirit. In other words, I can't condemn my children if they're going to listen to what they want to do, if they're going to date who they want, if I never taught them the way of the life of the Spirit. So that's verse 1. Here's verse 2. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free. What you really want, Janine loves this, what you really want, what you really desire is freedom. That's why nobody wants to go back to work. That, that, that's why nobody, that's why after this, after this <laughs> pandemic, people don't want to go back to work. Why? Because they experience, I see the hands going up all over, they experienced a taste of what it feels like to be free. They didn't have to go in the building. They didn't have to go to the meetings. They, they went to their bedroom, went to their living room and said, I'm doing, I'm zooming. I'm zooming into this meeting. And, and, and so what I'm saying to you 
is what you really desire. Watch me here, because he would have never put it in the book if this wasn't a part of what we desire. What you really desire is to be free. Now, we counter that, Janine, with this. The flesh, the flesh, walking in the flesh will take away your freedom. Walking in the flesh will make you a slave to your lower nature. Oh, my God. Walking in the flesh will, will lock you up and keep you bound, whether to keep you bound to a party, whether to keep you bound to a blunt, whether to keep you bound to a bad relationship, it'll keep you bound to some music that's killing you and you don't even know it's killing you. It'll keep you bound. And guess what? Guess what? And some of that stuff will make you into an old fool. You'll say to yourself, I feel like I'm too old to be living like this. I feel like uh, uh, I'm, I'm 45 years old and I shouldn't even be doing something that, I'm, uh, that I did when I was 17 years old. That's how the work of the flesh will short-circuit your life. Watch this. Verse 2, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free. If you're home, you need to underline that. He has made me free. Watch this. From the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak, through the flesh. In other words, it says that the law, you can't even fulfill the law because your flesh is weak. You don't even have the, 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 you don't even, your flesh can't fulfill all of the obligations in the standard, but you need something else. And watch this. It says, for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did it, Jesus. God did it by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. In other words, Susan, he shut it down. He closed the building. He said, this lifestyle, and I'll read to you what that lifestyle is. He's saying this lifestyle, now that you are in Christ Jesus, this lifestyle is not you. This is not the real you. And so what he's saying for the life of the flesh is he's talking about, I don't want you to practice this. I don't want you to make living the life of the flesh a practice. In other words, he's saying, this shouldn't be what you do. This shouldn't be your go-to when you see that list. I'll give you that list in a minute. So he says he condemned sin in the flesh, number verse 4, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, they set their minds on the things of the Spirit. So watch what he's saying here before I get to verse 6, which is the, 
the hallmark. He's saying that the war is for your mind. The war, the war, see, the war your real war, your spiritual warfare is taking place right between your ears. That's why you have to be conscious and careful about who you hang around, what you listen to, who you allow to speak into your life, because people will, watch this, people will manipulate you in short circuit. So, so if you are constantly plugged in to something that is going to take your mind, it will then start to set you up where you live a life of sin and death. Now watch this, verse 6. And this is where we're going to go. To be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. He's saying that the carnal mind is, 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 is giving us two minds. The carnal mind will kill you. It will undermine everything that God seeks to do in your life. And sometimes you'll think that God did this to me. God didn't do that to you. Of course, there are certain things that God takes you through to test you, but he's saying that with this carnal mind, this carnal mind is a, it will bring death to you, but watch what the spiritual mind does. But the spiritual mind is life and peace. And that's what we're going to, that's what we're going to drill down. The spiritual mind is life and peace. So if you are, I want you to put this into the chat, that the spiritual mind brings me life and it brings me peace. There are two major outgrowths when I decide, I have to make a decision to live out the spiritual mind. That's why God says, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. He's saying you need a spiritual mind in order for you to have life and peace. And so we, we talked about it two weeks ago that the word life means Zoe. So let me just give this to you quickly because I got to dig into uh, this piece more. So the Zoe life is this. So the Zoe life, when he says, I will give you life and peace, the Zoe life is the God kind of life. This is the life as God lives it, which is, watch me here, it is superior in quality. Zoe refers to 
the eternal life of God, the divine life uniquely possessed by God. So when we are born again, we receive the life of God. The word birth means to receive his life. And so if you really want to experience a higher quality of life, you need Jesus. Because if you are in Christ, you will experience a life that is superior to everyone around you. In fact, the life of God is so powerful and it's so incredible, watch me here, that it's going to take you eternity to exhaust it. In other words, you need to, the life of God is so good that, Bob, you need to live forever. His quality of life, it, it exceeds this 70 plus, this 80 plus, or this 90 plus, or this 45 plus years that you will get here on this earth. The life of God is so good it's so rich and it's so superior, that's why it's called Zoe, that that life is beyond time. That's why that while you are in time, you can experience eternity. That's why when you find out what you really love to do, you break through beyond time. And you'll say things like this, I would do this forever. I would sing forever. I would write books. I would do theater. I would produce videos. I would uh, do all, I would create so much because what's trying to emerge from your life is the Zoe life of God, the superior quality of God is trying to emerge from your life. That's why in John 1 verse 4, he says this, in him was life, in the life was the light of men. That's John 1 verse 4. And then he says in John 10 verse 10, he says, I have come that you might have Zoe, and that you might have Zoe in abundance. And so there's no way that God's life can be so abundant and so full that when you start to walk it out, people will start to see what, what do you have? What do you believe? It, it, you know, people will see that. They might see, I have more money than you. I have more access than you. Well, not really. I have more, what it seems like, more access than you. But how is it that you have an aura? How is it that you have a, a satisfaction, a, a peace that I don't have? And when believers don't have that, that means that we need more teaching. That means that we need to teach people how do they grow in the grace of God? How do they step into everything that God intends for them to have? Incidentally, there are some people 
that will never come to God unless they see how God moves through you. There are certain family members who are in your family who are waiting. You have friends who are watching and they've seen you get delivered from drugs. They've seen you come out of a certain lifestyle. They've seen you struggle. They've seen you fall. And they are watching how the life of God can take you from nothing and make you something. They're watching how the Bible says that a righteous man falls seven times. He didn't say an unrighteous man. He said a righteous man falls seven times. Now, some people say, well, if I'm, I'm righteous, well, let me fall in the sixth time. No, 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 no. He's saying not to wait until you fall seven times. But what he's saying is each time you get up, there are observers. There are observers in the spirit. And they'll say, I remember when she, I remember when he. But what I'm saying to you is what got you up? What got you up was the Zoe of God. It was the Zoe of God. It was a, it was, it was a life that is beyond that is beyond you. And he says in, in John 14, he says, I am the way. I am the truth and the life. So what I'm saying to you, what I'm trying to convince you on is that you must understand that Jesus has everything that pertains to life. He is the life. And so if you have any questions about what life is, you got to come see him. you got to come see him. Now, I want to take you to, before I get into peace, I want to take you to Romans chapter 6. I have to show you this. Turn to Romans chapter 6, verse 1. Romans chapter 6. Verse 1, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. He says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death. I want you to hear this. What God is saying is that when Christ died, you died. God, I want you to, he didn't just die for you. He died as you. He didn't just die for you. He died as you. It says, therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk into the newness of Zoe. Even so, we should walk in the newness of the God-type 
life. So what does that mean? The real you is the new man. The real you is who you are in Christ. That's, that's the part of you that God really desires to speak to. That's the part of you that where he's trying to download before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. The real you is the new man who got up after death. That's the part that the kingdom of God, the government of God, is desperately trying to speak to. That's why sometimes God creates situations so that he can get your attention because he wants to totally, totally transform your mind. Watch this, verse 5. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. We should no longer be slaves to our lower nature. God is interested in everything that's controlling your life. He's interested in everything that seeks to manipulate you. He's interested in everything that seeks to sabotage you. He's interested because he did not die for you and as you so that you could, so that you could come to church every week for years, be a slave, and then say, God, I, I'm so glad I made it to heaven, and you forfeit the majesty, the glory, the power of everything, Gabby, you were supposed to be right down here on earth. As I told you before, you have almost a circle of about 10,000 people who are impacted by the life of God that seeks to move through your life. There are people who are craving who are, who are, the Bible says that, the, he says, the earth groaneth for the manifestation of the sons and the daughters of God. In other words, there are people that are literally in pain. There are buildings, there are opportunities, there are, there's so much stuff that's groaning. It's, it's, it, the, what the Bible says, it's, it's in, it's in birth. It's in, it's in childbirth groaning, not for God, <laughs> not for God, but groaning for the God that's inside of you, not for your, not for your pastor's God, but they're groaning for you to show up. And God is saying, okay, what do I have to do? What do I have to create? What situation 
do I have to create to make sure I get my daughter's mind right? What do I have to, what, maybe I need to create something on the job. Maybe I need to create something on the, in the community. There's something I have to do to get her to pray again. There's something that I have to do to get him to fast. There's something, there's something I have to do. I'm not trying to get you to fast for religious reasons. I'm trying to get you to fast for you so that you can break through, so that your family can break through, so that your son and your daughter can break through. It's not just for you, but it's for everybody that's connected to you. And, if, and, it, and because the devil is, he hates God, he will throw anything at you anything. He'll use your children. He'll use your family members. He'll use your co-workers. He'll use the music. He'll use your flesh. He'll use, he'll, 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 he'll wait to see what appetites in you aren't crucified. He said, he'll say, I can't get her with this. I can't get Omar with theft, or I can't get him with murder, but let me, let me, sit, oh, let me watch and see what appetites he has so that I can create a situation to, to manipulate him because the, the enemy has a sense. God, I hope somebody help me up here. He has a sense of who you are. So some of the stuff that comes at you, it ain't just, you say, well, why is this? Why can't I get myself together? You, some women are saying, Dang, I can't, I'm so frazzled, I can't even get my hair done. I'm so frazzled, I can't even get my nails done. What is this? It's for your future. It's for your future. And some of you, I'm coming to speak to you, some of you are, particularly some of the women, you are one request away from a nervous breakdown. If I get one more request from my children, from my husband, from my family members, I'm one request away from losing my mind. But here's the promise, but God, but God, but God, but God, but God will say, daughter, that ain't you. Daughter, that's not the life. Now, now here's, the, here's the interesting part, Debbie Blackstock. Even though you can be in some stuff, God, don't somebody, hey, my boatsy. Even though you can be in some stuff, your spirit, in the Holy Ghost, will, 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 the Holy Ghost will witness to your spirit and bring it back to your mind and say, he'll whisper and say, that ain't you. Anybody ever hear the Holy Ghost say, that ain't you? I know you did that, but that ain't your Shabbat. See, I'm talking to some people that, some of y'all out there, y'all ain't never do nothing. Wait till I show y'all the list of what you did, right? He said, that is not you. In other words, what he's saying, Janine, is that's not your practice. That's not your practice. You don't practice that. Now, some people, that's their practice. You ever been around some people? They say, this is what we do. 
That's what we do. We smoking tonight. We, 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 we drinking tonight. We, we, we cheat. That's what we do. But some people will fall into some stuff because the flesh, that's why the Bible says the flesh is weak, but the spirit is willing. And I'm going to tell you why you need, Keith, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost who has enough strength. Oh, hear me, hear me, somebody. The Holy Ghost, Janine, has enough strength to deal with, the scripture calls it infirmity. The scripture calls it infirmity. The Holy Ghost has enough strength to deal what is in your life that's making you weak. Making you weak. That's why when you, when, when you, when you, when you come to him, he's saying, I know, baby, but I still want you to go to the meeting. But God, I did this. That ain't your practice. Go to the meeting. Go to the meeting. Show up. Apply for this. Get your kids. Get this right. Do this right. Why he's saying, he's saying, this is who you really are. See, 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 listen. There's a whole lot of church people that's struggling. They struggling. They on the struggle bus. I'm gonna tell you why they on the struggle bus. You ever know you know what the struggle bus is, Janine? <laughs> the struggle bus is real. Keith, you know what the struggle Keith, you know what the struggle bus is? The struggle bus is, I barely make, I'm barely making it. I'm one request away from losing it all. But God, that's what I want you to understand. But God who is rich in mercy. Now, 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 how you could lose it all, it could be your, it could be, because some people give parents a bad rap. Some of the stuff that happens, the kids did that. No, oh, Jesus. The kids did that stuff. And so what he's saying is, I want you to learn that through it all, I want you to learn how to grab a hold. Right? Listen to me. Listen to me. I want you to know how to really possess who you are. Verse 7. I'm still in Romans. Verse 7. Watch this. For he, watch this. He, he keeps talking about this freedom thing. Verse 7, for he who has died has been freed from sin. That's you. Some people, the, the, the religious folks say, oh, that's just Christ. No, that's you. You died, you were redeemed, and you're freed. So why are you living a plantation life? You don't have to be on the plantation. How do I know you're still on the plantation? Because you're scared to ask God for something that aligns with who you truly are. Truly are. You're scared, watch this, you're, scared, you're, you're afraid, Janine, to work on what he really put in your spirit. I'm talking to some people that are trying to go to the next level. You're a, you, I'm saying this, don't be afraid to, listen to me, to work on, to take action on what he either prophesied to about you or deposited in your spirit concerning who you are really supposed to be. So if he said, you are supposed to be running, I know you say, baby, but you are supposed to be running this type of organization. Why are you applying for a job? When I already gave you a position 
that gives you a lot of flexibility so that you can work on your stuff that I deposited in your spirit. That's too deep for some people. He's saying, he's saying, watch this. I'm in it now, Janine. I'm in the box. He's saying there's a realm of people that you are called to that may never come to church. But because you, you settled in, and you created something, Jesus, because you settled in and you created something, that means you agreed with me. You came into agreement with me and you started to work on, Gabby, what I put in your spirit and the people, when they see it, that's why when they saw Jesus working out salvation on the cross, they glorified God. Bob, when people see you moving into the realm that God ordained for your life, they'll start to glorify God. They'll say, what must I do to get saved? How'd you do that? How, how'd you create that? Why? Because what you are working on has your spirit on it. And because you're God's daughter and because you're God's son, it also has God's life on it. That's why when you come on the scene, you should shift a whole atmosphere. That's why you shouldn't be the most hateful, the most angry person in the workplace. How is that possible? How is that possible? Because you know, you're still living out slavery. You're still living out what was condemned. You're still living out fear. Do you realize when I was running a school, I, I mean, I met whole uh, groups of girls that were struggling with their sexuality. Whole grade groups. And, and guess what they told me when I talked to them? They said, I wish I had my dad. They said, all I needed I, they, said, I'm, they said, I've grown weary of my mother's voice. Incidentally, we don't have a motherhood problem. They said, I've grown weary of my mother's voice. I simply wanted to hear my father's voice. What did I want to know? Well, this, this is what they told me. They said, I didn't even want to be with another girl. They said, I'm doing this because I simply wanted to be cared for. God. I simply wanted somebody to, no, not to be silent, not to grunt, but I wanted somebody, Janine, to tell me how you feel about me. Engage me in a conversation. Uh-oh, is that deep? Take me out somewhere. Tell, Dad, tell me to get dressed up. Jesus. Uh, uh, no, 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 don't just show up with the photographer and show up late to the prom. Do something intentional. For me, that's what the young ladies want. In other words, so when I stepped on the scene as the principal, I'm coming in the space. This is how you got to know the, 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 the revelation of God. I'm coming in the space to redeem what your natural father did not do. And that's why I'm telling men that where you see need, whether it's your grandchildren or even if you messed up with your children, men, you got to step up. You mean to tell me I should, be, I should be engaging with my grandchildren? I should be intentional? I should be calling them? I should be taking them out? I should be asking them about their plans for the future? I should be praying with them? There's some stuff that you take them to McDonald's. My goodness, take them to readers. There's some stuff that you can do for people that's under $10. 
that'll save their life. There was one woman of God that told me, she said, I just wanted to go out with my father. I just wanted to, and he said he was a deacon. He said he was a pastor. He said he was all of that. She said, I ain't care about that. I wanted to know him. That's why God's saying, I don't care what you do. He's saying, we can easily take care of what you do. That's, that's a no-brainer. I want you to do this, 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 and I'm going to pay you X, Y, Z. You like that? But I'm still interested in you. That's what the young ladies wanted. I want somebody to be interested in me. And here's the call that I'm making to men. Look around. Look in your own family. I got a, I got a, I got a, I remember I went to, I was doing a group for, for fathers. And we invited Pastor Hyacinth onto the group. And we said, it was about 20 of us. And we said, what do women want from men? She said, I'm going to give you two things. She said, I want you to realize that women are in a perpetual state of being overwhelmed. A perpetual state. So you, husband, you, father, figure out, and let me use a better word, anticipate. You like that word, Janine? She loves that word. She believes that word is sexy. Anticipate, anticipate what you think I need. I told somebody, you better get a revelation of how to do laundry. If you can master these clothes and not put that on your spouse, you, your, 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 your marriage credit score will go up through the roof. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? And so what, I, what, I'm, what I'm saying is there are, I'm going to use a deep word, there are some basic, there are some basic needs. Want to know how big the need is? Want to know how big the need is? I saw a dear friend of mine, my wife and I were picking flowers at Produce Junction yesterday. I said, you've been running with me for almost a year, 6 a.m. club. I said, listen, you already know the routine. Go get your wife some flowers. He said, I ain't doing that. I ain't getting her no flowers. I already got the food. I, I'm not doing that, oh. I'm like, Jay, pointing to a whole thing of flowers. I'm like this. There they are. Get them for your wife. Then Janine chimes in. She would really like you to get those flowers. So we pulled off, and we saw him begrudgingly walking over there to get the flowers. One hour later, he sends me a text message. Accountability, brother, I got the flowers. I said, your beautiful wife would be very pleased. What I'm saying to you, there are small things that can transform your life. But as long as you're looking for the lottery stuff, as long as you're looking for the big win and override, teaching a young boy how to tie a tie, teaching a young boy how to shine shoes, and in the midst of doing that, guess what you start having? The conversation. Here's the conversation. Yo, Mr. Barlow, I don't feel good about myself. Why? I never really had anybody that showed me the end game. He said, bro, I, I really don't even want to be out here with all these women like that. I just needed somebody to point me in a different direction. But my pop was too busy chasing career, and he didn't really show me the care that I needed. I'm saying, 
that when you take those steps to engage people like that, they're wide open to experience the life of God on you. They're wide open, Janine, to say, wow, if you're going to tell me that, what else could you tell me? And that, and if you live like that, are you telling me that God won't bless you? You're crazy. I'm telling you, God will bring something to your life that will be absolutely amazing. Let's go to verse 8. It says this, now if we died with Christ, I'm in Romans 6 verse 8. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall live with him, knowing that Christ having been raised from the dead dies no more. Watch this, death no longer has dominion over us. What he's saying is, when you live a life that is in the spirit of God, death no longer controls you, no longer sits on your life. It no longer has dominion over you. Isn't that very interesting? The same word he uses right here, dominion, is the same thing that he told you and I, the crown of his creation, to have in the beginning. He said, have dominion have the ability to influence the world, but he's saying, as long as you live a life in the flesh, sin and death in the flesh will dominate your life. It will control your life. Now watch this, watch this. Verse 10, for the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also Reckon yourselves, you got to make a decision to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your body. Do not allow sin to, to reign, to have authority in your body. Watch this. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness. Now, I'm going to skip down here to verse 23. This is how serious this is. And I want you to get this. God, anytime you sign up to live for God, God will give you a signing bonus. What's the signing bonus? He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you could ever ask. Remember I told you about asking? All that you could ever ask or think. Now here's the piece that I want you to know about Satan he also gives you a signing bonus. He always gives you more than what you bargained for. Watch this. But now having been set free from sin and having become slaves unto God, you have fruit unto holiness in the end everlasting life. Here's the whole deal about when you live a life of the flesh. You'll never have any fruit. This is what my father told me. He says, son, You can only be in the street for a minute. He said it only lasts for a minute. 
but it'll take a lifetime to, to, to rid yourself from some of that stuff. The, watch this, the collateral damage, the collateral damage that it does not only to your psyche, but what it does to your children, what it does to your neighborhood, that's what, that's what happens when we open the door, and that's how serious it is for us to be in Christ so sin and death no longer have authority in our life. God is only asking you to have authority for what you uh, are, are supposed to have authority over. He's not asking you to go out and save the world. He's saying, save yours. He's saying, influence your realm. Influence your realm. What's your realm? You. If you're married, your spouse. If you have children, your children, your grandchildren, your community. He's saying, do what you need to do in your realm. That's what I'm going to hold you accountable for. What did you do in your sphere of influence? Now watch this. Here's the signing bonus I want you to know. For the wages, he's talking about payout. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I want to be very clear here. Sometimes it's not that we hate sin. We hate its wages. The payout. It's, I'm, I'm telling you, it's a, it's a payout. And so God is, God is saying this to us because he wants us to be conscious that the payout from Satan is always death. Now the package, you got to be conscious of how he packages it. He packages it to look good. He packages it to feel good. That's what the flesh is. The flesh is the flesh is your body. The flesh is your carnality. The flesh is the part of you that is, is trained for this world. So he packages it in, in, in something that he believes that you would like. And so when he does this, not only does it bring death, but here's the part. Here's the part that I want you to understand. It not only brings death to you, but it also takes your peace. So he keeps you alive. It doesn't mean that he, 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 uh, you ought to automatically lose your life. You'll stay, you'll stay around. You're still raising kids. You're still working. You're still, uh, you're still driving your kids to school. You still uh, are, are a uh, CEO or you're a pastor. In other words, the flesh doesn't care about your role. The flesh doesn't care about you being a pastor. The flesh doesn't care about you being a principal. It doesn't care about any of that stuff. And the devil packages it in a way to deceive you, to make you say this. It couldn't really hurt. Couldn't be that bad. Not even knowing the children are watching. They're looking. They're observing. And what it ultimately does is it takes your shalom. It, to, to lose your peace means it divides you. That's why Jesus says, I am your peace. And so what does that mean? That means that I'm the one that brings you back together again. When you don't have peace, Gabby, it means you're divided. That's what anxiety does. That's what being overwhelmed does. It divides you. 
so that you can't even think. That's why you can't, you're like, that girl, I can't even uh, get myself together. That's what the lack of peace does to you. But Jesus says, I am, Tim, your peace. He is our peace. And he said in Isaiah, the chastisement of his, our peace was on him. So I want you to know that Jesus, he is the prince. That means chief. He is the chief of peace. So if you ever need peace, you have to come to Jesus. He's the one that's going to give you shalom. He's the one that's going to give you well-being. He's the one that's going to give you tranquility. He's the one that's going to give you unity. That's why he says he is our peace. He, he, he takes away, Chelsea, what would divide you. He removes. That's why you can be in a bad situation. And Jesus says, my peace I leave with you. Not as the world giveth, but my peace I leave with you. That's why you can stand in the worst situation. You can be in the fire. You can be in the test, Keisha, but still have peace because his peace is different than the world. And that's why... People are so hungry because you have something that they can't buy. You have peace. He's the Prince of Peace. Now, we only sing Isaiah 9, 6, wonderful counselor, mighty God, the Prince of Peace. Now, watch this. And he says this, and the, the government, which is the kingdom, the government, put that up on the screen, Isaiah 9, 6, and the government, which is the kingdom. Now, watch this. I'm going to teach you here. The kingdom of God is righteousness. Peace and joy produced by the Spirit. So you can't, righteousness means to be in right standing. Joy, he said peace, to have shalom, to have prosperity, to have welfare. So Jesus is saying, I'm the one that can give you what the world can't give you. In fact, when you can't even be a peacemaker unless you have peace. How do I know that you don't have peace? Because you can't be a peacemaker. That's why he said this, blessed are the peacemakers, for they are the sons of God. Tim, when I have peace, I can start making peace. I can start making peace with my spouse. I can start making peace with my children when I have peace. But you, here's how I know it. Here's how I know you don't have peace, because you can't make it. That's why he says, blessed Blessed are the what? The peacemakers, for they are the sons and the daughters of God. There are five ways, I'm going to give them to you quickly, that you get peace. Number one, prayer. Prayer is a doorway to peace. Prayer is a doorway to peace. I got to give you these quickly because I got to go through all five. Prayer is a doorway to peace. All of the works of the flesh Work to shut down your prayer life. When you are living a life of the flesh, the first thing that goes is your prayer life. The first thing that goes, the first thing that dies is your cell phone. It's your cell phone. Your cell phone is your prayer life. The first thing that goes out your life is your prayer life. So the enemy said, dang, she dangerous. He dangerous. How do I get him? Make him busy. Make him busy. Get him to all these meetings. Get him here. Get him there. And next thing you know, it's, 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 it's a year and he ain't even prayed for 30 minutes. He used to have a book and he used to have studies and reading the book of Acts and fasting. The, 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 the enemy, the life of the flesh, doesn't want to pray. 
The life of the flesh don't want to come to church. The life, why you get, you can watch movies all night and you say, pray. I feel tired. That's what the flesh is. I feel sleepy. But you was watching this movie all night. The flesh does not want to do it. <laughs> oh my God. So prayer is a doorway to peace. Now watch this, this verse right here, Philippians 4, 6 verse to 7, be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, watch this, Sister Debbie, and the peace of God, which passes the shalom of God, that passes all understanding, Janine, shall keep your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. So if you want to have peace, you have to engage in the disciplines. Guess what? Guess what gives you freedom? Discipline gives you freedom. Disciplines. It's the godly disciplines that, that seek to say, you know what? I know my flesh is weak, but my spirit always agrees with God. My spirit is always saying yes and amen, but I need to do something to get this flesh under control. Do you know your flesh would let you die? Do you know your flesh would say, you don't need to work out, you don't need to run, you don't need to exercise. Your flesh will tell you, you'll be sick, but your flesh will be like, just satisfy me, just let me sleep, just let me be tired. I don't want to run, I don't want to do sit-ups, I, I want to eat the candy bars, I want to do the Mentos, I want to do all of this. That's how your flesh speaks. I, I, don't know, I don't know one person that enjoys getting up in the morning and saying, I got to work out. That's why Paul said, I beat my body. I beat it. I beat it. I beat it. You got to teach your body how to obey. Teach it. Here, teach your body how to obey. You got to teach your body to obey. You're not married yet. Obey. That girlfriend ain't your, your, your girlfriend is not your wife. Obey. Teach your body. Now, sometimes to get peace, you got to cut certain people off. I don't talk to you no more. I can't interact with you anymore. What am I saying? You need boundaries. You need boundaries around your life. So that's the, the, the first thing is prayer. Now watch this. Let me give you another one for prayer. Now this is going to seem a little weird, how you get peace through prayer. Get this one. When you make a decision, Bob, to pray for the city, you'll get peace. Well, God, you got me praying for everybody and my life is messed up. You telling me to pray for North Philly? I can't even get my bills paid. Pray for your neighborhood. Okay, here's the scripture. Here's the scripture. And seek the peace. Watch this, Jeremiah 29, 7. And seek the peace of the city. Please put it on the screen. And seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive and pray to the Lord for it, uh-oh, for in its shalom, you shall have peace. He's saying that when everything is going crazy, I need you to start praying for your neighborhood. Start praying, if you, if you, if you can't, if, oh God, the city is too much for me. Start praying for your block. Oh, I can't even do my block, it's too much. Start praying for the house to the left and to the right. Can you do that? 
Start praying. And as you pray, God will expand you. But as you pray, it's a spiritual principle, he begins to download peace. You're saying, well, wait a minute. My, how do I get peace about my, my, my spouse and peace about my, because I started to pray. And then he says in Jeremiah 29, 11, he says this, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Thoughts of peace, which is kingdom, and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. What am I saying? Living a life of the flesh will rob you of your peace. But he's saying, Janine, here's the prophetic strategy. As you start to pray for the city, I'm going to deliver you from anxiety. As you start to pray from the city, I'm going to take uh, all of these feelings of being overwhelmed. I'm going to lift that off of you because as you pursue peace, I'm going to give you peace. Because all of God's stuff that he does is counterintuitive. You mean to tell me when I don't have anything, give? You mean to tell me love my enemies and pray for them that despitefully use you? He's saying yes. That's how the kingdom of God works. Here's the second one. Here's the second one. I want you to realize that the word of God, so we got prayer, then we got the love for the word of God. He says that my word is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. He's saying that great peace have they that love thy law and nothing shall offend you. The more you fall in love with the word, God, the more you fall in love with the word, you will start to walk out a life of peace. Now, Jesus says this, man, Matthew 4, 4, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now, here's your breakthrough. Encrypted in every seed. You ever see grass come through the concrete? Encrypted in every seed is breakthrough. You can make it through the most difficult places of your life when you get a word. I'm talking about a rhema word. I'm talking about a fresh word. When you get a word, you will break through the most difficult places. You'll break through some places that people in your generational line have never broken through because you got a word. Now, in this passage in Matthew 4, the devil tried to speak to Jesus' flesh. He said, he was fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. He said, aren't you hungry? Aren't you tired? Now, here's the thing, Bob, that I want you to really know. He took him up to the highest mountain. This is what the devil does. And he showed him something. You got to be very careful what you look at. Because he says, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. They're passing away. But the devil showed Jesus the kingdoms of this world. He said, you can have all of this if you will only do one thing, worship me. He was, but he was tired, and he was trying to deal with his flesh. He, was, he, he knew that he was the son of God. He knew it, but he still, but it didn't even, watch this. The, the enemy doesn't, he's not, he doesn't discriminate. In other words, if he did it to Jesus, what do you think he's going to do to you if you are a son and daughter as well? That's why you got to be ready 
When he comes, because he's going, and everybody's going to have their testing. So don't laugh at somebody else when they fall, because everybody is going to have their moment where you are shown something and you might lose your mind. There's a prophet that I know, he said he was invited to a high, high governmental meeting. And he said when he saw the wealth, he forgot what he was there for. He said it was just for a moment, maybe about five minutes. I forgot why I was there. I forgot that I was there to deliver the word because I saw the wealth and I saw the beauty and I saw all of it and I was almost deceived. And if he came for Jesus, he will also come for you. And so here's the last one I want to give you, I gave you the communion of the Holy Ghost. I want to give you this one. On the hill, heels of obedience, you will have peace. Isaiah 48, verses 16 through 19 says, I am the Lord thy God that teaches you to profit, which leads you by the way that you should go. Oh, that you had hearkened to my commandments. Then had your peace been as the river and thy righteousness as the waves of the sea. Thy seed would have also been as the sand. Here's what I'm going to say to you. Your obedience is a doorway to peace. God will ask you to do things that you, Janine, me, Josh, Jay, you might not even understand why he's asking you to do that. But what I'm saying to you, when you obey and when you hearken to his word, your peace will be as the river. And the other implication of that spirit, of that passage is that your obedience impacts the next generation. He said, your seed, the, the, the ones that are coming after you, the ones that are looking, they will be impacted by your obedience. And lastly, righteousness produces peace. It's Isaiah 32, 17. He says, the fruit of righteousness will be peace. The effect of righteousness, right standing with God, will be quietness and confidence forever. You mean to tell me that righteousness impacts my confidence? God. You know, that's what, probably one of the number one things that as Janine and I train students, it's one of the number one things students say, I don't have any confidence. I went to a great school, but I'm, I'm scared. I have good education, but at the end of the day, I'm scared. That's why we wrote the books, Don't Be Scared, Live on Purpose. Don't be scared, be speak. I'm saying to you that if you do these things, you will not only embrace the life of God, but you will also 
experienced such a great unity and such a great peace where everything that was pulling you apart will come together. There may be those of you today that are out there saying, man, not only do I need his life, but I need his peace. Here's the confidence that I want you to have. He is the Prince of Peace, and in him is life. Not only did he die for you, but he died as you. All of those things of the flesh are crucified on that cross. And what he makes available is access to the Father. That's why he says that you are saved by grace through faith. It is the gift of God. And you may be saying, I, I need that life. I need the peace that comes through Christ Jesus. I welcome you to accept him as your savior. I welcome you to say, look, all those dead things are passed away in Christ. I believe that. And if you believe that, and if you believe that Jesus arose from the dead and that he is Lord, he will come into your heart and save you. Not only save you from sin, but bring you to a life of his kingdom that is rich, full of mercy. I welcome you to receive that. Thank you for joining us in service today. We pray that this ministry has been a blessing to you and your family. To give your gift of love, visit nccop.church giving for all of the ways that you can donate to the ministry. Thank you so much for your generosity and God's blessings until we meet again.